The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. How would you feel if you were the member of a party and the leader of your party, who happened to be the president of the United States, was being pressured to change his position of support for an ally that had been attacked or else he wouldn't be able to win an election. Uh, Michigan, he'll lose Michigan, really. So Rashida Tlaib has more power in the Democrat Party than the leader of the Democrat Party. That should tell you everything you need to know. She, by the way... Uh, was not censured. There was an effort to censure Rashida Tlaib. I think it was put forward by Marjorie Taylor Greene, and uh, the House rejected the effort. And then in a measure to move forward with the censure resolution, which is just a one step below getting thrown out of the House, was dismissed with broad bipartisan support as both parties raise concerns about violating First Amendment rights. Yeah, everybody's got First Amendment rights except Donald Trump. Just want to remind everybody of that fact because it's really, everything becomes so clear. You know, now I'm watching as this open hatred of Jews is just surging. It's beyond my comprehension in Los Angeles, some guy screaming, kill Jews, tries to break into a Jewish family's home. In, in London, in a playground, a, a couple of little girls are told, you're stinking Jews and don't go on the slide. Talking about little children. In China, there are posts on social media likening Jews to parasites, vampires, or snakes, and they're getting hundreds of thousands of likes. And that doesn't even begin to address the incidents of anti-Semitism, which are spreading like wildfire. This is the scariest time to be Jewish since World War II. People afraid to go to synagogues, afraid to wear any kind of symbol, and... You, you just, you know, I, I walked over this morning to a local Jewish day school that happens to be in my area. Guards everywhere. Little kids that have to be guarded. In Florida, in Margate. There's going to be a random attack. I mean, the, the Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, sat in front of Congress and delineated how there are very dangerous threats to Jewish people in the United States of America. How, how did this happen? Well, I know how it happened. I don't even know why I keep asking the same question, as I've been saying for years that this is the road we were going down. And, of course, I'm always called, a, a, you know, doomsday lady and... and, and it's just so, it's so frightening to me. 
Students walked out of Hillary Clinton's Columbia classroom. Why? Because she shamed the pro-Palestinian demonstrators. What? Dozens of students walked out of a class that's being taught by Hillary Clinton in New York in protest at the university's alleged role in the shaming of pro-Palestinian demonstrators. They should be shamed. 30 students were involved in this protest where the former Secretary of State, and she was actually the senator for New York, and she was delivering a foreign policy lecture. She has a global affairs class that she teaches there, which, never mind. So this is, this is the walkout that comes a week after photographs of students who signed a declaration blaming Israel for the 7th of October's Hamas attacks got displayed on video screens on trucks that were parked near the university campus above the words, Columbia's biggest anti-Semites. The photographs, according to the protesters, were lifted from a secure and private student portal at Columbia School of International and Public Affairs. The walkout was planned and it was peaceful with them leaving about halfway through her two-hour lecture which was attended by about 300 students, and then they joined a bunch of other demonstrators in the lobby of the school. You know, when are you guys going to admit, I, I don't even know who I'm talking to anymore. When are anyone who has stayed in the Democrat Party, when are you going to admit that you're in the party of anti-Semites, you're in the party of racists, you're in the party of... Uh, his Hispanophobes. Your party hates America. Get out. You know, put on your big boy pants, your big girl's shoes, and get out. Maybe that will uh, reduce the party to self-examination. I understand that this war in the Middle East is shaking the world. But there's no way that you can rationalize supporting the kind of brutality that took place on October 7th. You can't. I don't care. What kind of corner they fell backed into, first and foremost. Does that even make sense? Is Gaza now not in the hands of the so-called Palestinian people? Is Hamas not the legally, according to them, the legally elected government? So if Hamas launches an attack against civilians in violation of the Geneva Codes of War, who should Israel attack? I'm just asking. Because nobody seems to be willing to answer those questions or even ask those questions when you come right down to it, except for a handful of, uh, you know, radio hosts. And that's why you should be very, very nervous. Because today... You know, these uh, anti-American forces are coming after the Jews, always the canary in the, in the mine. You know, go after the Jews because nobody likes the Jews anyway. You can probably get away with a, a lot of genocide. But then they come after you. They're never content. You're the great Satan. It's not like if they eliminate Israel that they're going to be satisfied. You think it's over that little piece of land? You don't understand that this is a clash of civilizations, that this is a 
a, a multi-generational millennial war that won't end until one side is wiped out? And they intend to wipe out Israel. And once they do that, they have to wipe out the rest of the infidels. You know, my husband was wearing a hat today that said infidel on it. That's a hat that I wore uh, back in 2007, 2005. That was a hat that I was wearing when there was an intifada and we were defending Israel. And here it is. It's now sporting itself on a African-American male's head because he understands that first they'll come for the Jews and then they're going to come for him. You know, it's our grandchildren with Jewish last names that may be the first rounded up and nobody's going to say, well, but you know, they're, they're biracial and they're half this and they're half that. No, 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 no. It's going to be sufficient that their last name is Kaufman. So he understands in a very uh, visceral level how dangerous this is, especially for any other minority group. Because what you have to understand, there are fewer Jews than there are other minority groups. But when they begin to calculate just how much damage can be done to one group it won't be long before they pick the next group to target. And I don't know who that is. But in case all my um, you know, friends who, who say, well, I, I, I'm a Democrat because I support LGBTQ, LMNOP rights, okay? Well, let me tell you something. The people who are killing the Jews, they do not support LGBTQ rights, okay? They throw people who are gays and lesbians, they throw them off roofs. So your intersectionality isn't going to save your behinds either. And then once they've done that, once they've eliminated another group, they're going to say, okay, who's next? You know, who's got least favored status? And they have now convinced entire generations, including people like me, not me, but people who are happen to be white and are not racist. We're not allowed to use the term colorblind. We cannot say that anymore. You see, because we have white privilege and we don't understand the magnitude and the blah, blah, blah. So they've now convinced entire swaths of young Americans in particular that there's so much racism that nobody will even, nobody will even complain if they come after African-Americans. So you ought to be very, very scared. Whether you're gay, African-American, Hispanic, whatever you are, you're an infidel if you're not a Muslim. And once they're able to defeat the strongest infidels out there, that's the nation of Israel, if they were to be able, I don't believe they can, but if they were, everybody else is next. And the fact that we still pretend otherwise just proves how ridiculous and stupid we have become. It's not hard to see how we became so stupid. You know, when I read statistics like 60% of the news that people under the age of 30 get is from TikTok, I know we're doomed. You know, the CCP invented TikTok so they could brainwash entire generations and they're doing a fine job. Not to mention all the money that they've poured into universities, whether it's the 
you know, the CCP and the and the in, incredible amounts of money they've poured into universities, or it's the uh, very oil-rich nations that have opened up all kinds of uh, alliances with American Ivy League colleges, including putting campuses in their own countries. So the brainwashing is deep, really deep. And a few voices like mine and, you know, and, and, and Dan Bongino and a handful of people out there, uh, no matter how loud we get, we can't drown out all their voices. And I don't know how you reach these young people because I'm not about to go on TikTok. I can tell you that right now. But I'm convinced that we're in a battle for civilization itself. And if you're unwilling to fight this fight, then we lose, that's all. And you better get used to many, many, many infringements on your liberties, including your freedom to religion. That'll be the first to go. To go. But apparently, half of these young people don't have any faith anyway. They don't believe in God. Because the problem with believing in God is that then you're responsible for your behavior. You'll have to answer one day for your behavior to God, maybe today. So it's a, a morass. It's, it's a swamp. It's a pit that we find ourselves in. And as I watch what's going on in the city of my birth, New York, in the college campuses that we always held up as a, in, incredibly, um, you know, higher learning, the best of the best. Okay. Now we're looking at boycotts and firebombs and, uh, you know, calls going into little shops in Philadelphia. There was some bakery, the Essen Bakery in Philadelphia specializes in making like challah and, and babka and other Jewish style baked goods. Oh, the list is circulating. And, uh, and her name, you know, the name of the owner, Tova the Plessis, is on the list. That's right. So now they got to station a police car outside of her business. What is this, Kristallnacht? And people are still debating whether or not this is really happening. This is really happening. You better get up off your butts. And you better make it known that this is not pleasing. Not pleasing. This is outrageous. This is a scene that you've seen at 30 places in Philadelphia, numerous places in New York. Jewish owners are being threatened. Anti-Semitism is not no longer, can't say it's on the rise. It's rampant. And it's not a small number of people. I heard Bill O'Reilly yesterday saying, oh, it's just a small number of people. No, it's not. It's a huge number of people. And it doesn't take that many anyway. Don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can get all the podcasts and you can also uh, get the news and you can get weather and, and storm information, all that good stuff. And of course you can enter contests and it's just a good thing to have on your phone or your computer. I'm gonna take a quick break, stay right where you are. So I don't know, I'm, I'm obviously not uh, in my right mind these days because it's so unbelievably dangerous a, a period of time and I refuse to be careful about what I say. I'm just gonna speak the truth and I'm gonna speak it loudly 
I do not want to be accountable for not telling you exactly what is going down. Uh, Jason Riley wrote a great column in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was this morning, and he said, you know, many people jumped in when George Floyd was, was killed and they all supported uh, BLM, the Black Lives Matter group. Uh, you had all the sports leagues were in support. You had Fortune 500 companies. Everybody was waving their, you know, uh, placards around. And now they're all like shocked at how BLM reacted to the terror attack in Israel. But what are they shocked about? See, that's what I don't understand. I'm not shocked. I'm just furious. The last time there was a, a, a round of major violence between Israel and Hamas back in May of 2021, BLM made its position perfectly clear. They said, Black Lives Matter stands in solidarity with Palestinians. We are a movement committed to ending settler colonialism in all forms and will continue to advocate for Palestinian liberation. Now, is it just me or didn't, didn't they give Gaza to the Palestinian people and the West Bank for that matter? Like they're not occupying those places. Are they? Did, did I miss something? They will be soon. That you, that you can be sure of. But the idea that these activists can't decide to be on the side of moral right while the body count was still being tallied. These groups were issuing statements supporting Hamas's tactics. Their resistance must not be condemned, but understood as a desperate act of self-defense. What are they talking about? You asked that we give you autonomy. You're in the middle of Israel and they still gave you autonomy. You continue to lob rockets at them and they still gave you autonomy. And then they lightened the, the restrictions and they let people come in to work in Israel because they can't earn a living in Gaza because all Hamas does is take every available nickel and dig tunnels and build weapons. It doesn't take care of its people. So Israel said, okay, we'll let the Palestinian people come in and work so that they can support their families. And it's still colonial? Anybody who sees a parallel between black people and Palestinian people, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, an image of, of a Hamas paraglider with a Palestinian flag attached to his parachute, that's who you stand with? Anyone who's surprised by this, and, and this is what uh, Jason Riley said so clearly. Jason Riley, by the way, speaking from a position as a black African man, African-American man, right? They never hid this, he said. They never, they never ever pretended otherwise. You guys convinced yourself that, uh, you know, that, that, that's not what it's all about. 2016, four years before George Floyd was killed, BLM released an official platform that referred to Israel as an apartheid state and declared that America is complicit in the genocide taking place against the Palestinian people. I never heard BLM make any statement about the genocide taking place in any country in Africa, whether it was Rwanda or whether it was uh, any of the other countries where Muslims were killing, you know, Boko Haram was killing African-American girls or whether, see, no, they have nothing to say about that. 
black on black uh, genocide doesn't bother them at all. If the Houthis want to massacre the Tutsis, it's okay with them. But the Jews can't live in peace alongside of the Palestinians. That's too much. So it doesn't shock me. You know, the rhetoric that we hear coming out of the BLM leaders now, this isn't surprising to me. It's what uh, Noah Tishby said yesterday in that piece I played at the end of the show. You got played. All the progressives, all the liberals, all the people like my family got played by BLM. Walking around with your Black Lives Matter t-shirts and your Black Lives Matter signs in your window, you got played because some of you are Jewish. And they're not just coming after Zionists. They're coming after Jews. They hate Jews. And anybody who thinks that, it's otherwise, you got played. In 2020, an open letter endorsing BLM appeared as a full-page ad in the New York Times, and it was signed, signed by more than 600 Jewish organizations, including the ADL. I thought the ADL existed to fight anti-Semitism. Apparently not. If accusing Israel of genocide isn't the defamation of Jewish people, I don't know what is. And yet the director, the executive director of the ADL, Jonathan Greenblatt, he's a big defender of BLM. There are those who are attempting to smear this movement as inherently anti-Semitic. It is not. Yes, it is. Do you believe me now? No, of course, they ignore the reality. They don't understand that that black nationalism has always been associated with hating Jews, always. The Buy Black campaign of the 1920s that Marcus Garvey did, he targeted Jewish-owned businesses. He said they were the ones exploiting black people. Martin Luther King and and Roy Wilkins of the NAACP, they denounced black anti-Semitism and they were huge supporters of the Jewish state. Martin Luther King was not anti-Semitic. But Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam, they were advocates of racial separatism, and they insisted that the Jews brought the Holocaust on themselves, and they urged blacks to sympathize completely with the Arab cause. In the 60s, people in the black power movement, they called Martin Luther King Jr., the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Uncle Tom. Stokely Carmichael, a man who I actually knew, steered the civil rights group in a much more radical direction, including forcing all of the uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the SNCC's white workers and volunteers, almost all of whom were Jewish, he made them all resign. And when Israel was attacked by Arab nations in 1967, it was Stokely Carmichael who declared that the only good Zionist is a dead Zionist. So why are you surprised? In the 1980s, Farrakhan became America's most infamous black separatist and an anti-Semite. I was there in Khalid Abdul Muhammad's speech in Miami where he looked me right in the eye and said, even if you think that that Jew is good, kill him before they go bad. These are... He called us bloodsuckers. I was sitting in the audience with Rick Seidman, the late the Rick Seidman, the late radio host. 
It's that old no-good Jew, the old imposter Jew, the old hook-nosed, bagel-eating, locks-eating, Johnny-come-lately. You know, uh, Muhammad said at, at Keene College, I don't care who sits in the White House, it's the Jews that control that seat. So anti-Semitism and the BLM movement have never been strangers. The social media posts and the manifestos, they're not coming from a few voices, a few intemperate voices who can safely be ignored. No. The greater good is scapegoating Jews for BLM activists, destroying Israel, exploiting racial division. They're using an old but very effective playbook to rally others to their cause, their intersectionality cause, and they're counting on the ignorance, the complacency, and the guilt of white liberals to lend that movement credibility and power. That's right. You've been played. It's that simple. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. So uh, I think it was Albert Einstein who said that uh, the world is not going to be destroyed by people who do evil things, but by people who watch them and don't do anything about it or something like that. And I forgot. Somebody had sent me what he said and I I just paraphrased it, but you get my drift. You know, it's the same thing that I've been saying for years. If you're silent in the face of evil, then you're complicit. I'm not going to be silent. I'm watching the world coming apart at the seams and people arguing over, well, how many babies were actually beheaded? I, I mean, wow. Is that how absolutely bankrupt we have become? Yeah, that's how much. That's the problem. Instead, what, what are they watching carefully? Not the wars that are going on where people are, are literally, you know, what's happening in the Ukraine is very ugly. What's happening in Gaza? Israel is pounding Gaza. They got robots in there clearing the tunnels. And, you know, we've got a president of the United States who's saying, hey, uh, you know, wait a minute, uh, could you slow down? We need a little uh, humanitarian effort here. This is a large-scale operation to clear those tunnels. And the tunnels, these areas in the Gaza Strip now, are under the control of the IDF. Maybe at first they were able to to harass us and sting us by firing from tunnel exits, but after we got control of the areas, the engineering operation started. That's what the senior officials are saying. They're going to collapse the entrances and the tunnels on them. It'll become a death zone. They made a mistake. They chose to be in a place that they could not escape from. They're going to die in the tunnels. And they've already destroyed hundreds a hundred tunnels, not including those that were taken out in airstrikes since the beginning. Now, <laughs> I don't know how many people have died, but Hamas could end this. And when the Hamas-run health ministry, which in itself is an oxymoron, they don't care about the health of its people, but they could end this in a minute. All they have to do is surrender. And then it's over. No more innocent people die. You just have to ask yourself a question. Why not? 
Why, why are they waiting for the world to pressure Israel into signing its own suicide pact? Because we've been brainwashed. We've been played. That's why. And on some level, people still refuse to believe that they just hate us. They hate the Jews. They hate the Western civilization. That's not going to change. And I don't care what Secretary of State Antony Blinken says to the Israeli government in the next uh, few meetings that he's over there now. He wants concessions and stop the military operations, let the hostages be released safely. They have no intention of releasing those hostages safely. If they had, they would have released them already. If you believe for one minute that you can negotiate with these with these same monsters who ripped babies out of their mother's arms and killed them? You think they're going to release hostages so that the people of Gaza get humanitarian aid? Come on, man. You can't possibly be that stupid or naive. So President Biden said that, uh, that he talked to President Netanyahu and that he was going to halt the shelling briefly on October 20th to allow for the release of the two Americans, which he did, Judith Renan and, and her daughter, Natalie. So now that's what they want to do. They're going to negotiate for the remaining American hostages. This is Anthony, Anthony Blinken saying, look, I would like all the hostages to be released. I don't care if they're American or Israeli or French. Or, they should be released. They're innocent. And they've seen such horrors. They'll never be the same. Their families will never be the same. But what Mr. Blinken is pushing for with this round of diplomacy, I guess he actually doesn't even arrive in Israel until tomorrow, but th this request for a pause, how is that different than calling for a ceasefire? All it's going to do is benefit Hamas. And let it recover. And that you know why this is happening, right? Because of the squad and because of the anti-Semites in Congress and the anti-Semites in state governing. At a fundraiser in Minneapolis, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday night. A protester got in the president's face and demanded that he call for a ceasefire. And even Joe Biden, as frail and, and out of it, and mostly incoherent as he is, he said, I think we need a pause. A pause means give time to get the prisoners out. And then he said, we agreed on a pause once before and we got out two hostages. I'm the guy who convinced Bibi to call for a ceasefire to let the prisoners out. Well, guess what? There's no ceasefire. There was never a ceasefire. A brief pause is not a ceasefire. And that's what, uh, you know, what the United States of America has to wake up to, what the leadership, because I think the people are waking up pretty rapidly. But what the leadership has to come to terms with is that Hamas is not going to be finished until they wipe out everything. What did the Hamas leaders say yesterday? Just yesterday. Big wheel deal Hamas leader who said, oh, no, we're not, we're not going to stop until we've killed all the Jews. He didn't say, you know, well, um, we're going to strike a deal and we're going to take back the property or the land. No, no, no. Until we kill all the Jews. That's the goal. Kill all the Jews. It's not to get 
you know, uh, the colonialists out. Never was and never will be. And that's why you better be ready because America, Europe, they're all going to have to take a stand. Whose side are you going to be on? Saudi Arabia's fundraising for the Palestinians right now. Russia said that Israel has no right to defend itself. Okay? Yeah, this from a country that just invaded another country a year ago. I'm telling you. The expectations for this speech that's going to be uh, coming out of uh, the Hezbollah leadership tomorrow, Hezbollah, Hezbollah's already been exchanging fire at the border with the IDF for about a month. So tomorrow, he's going to make a speech. What do you think he's going to say? He's got the SS Ford aircraft carrier is right there on the eastern Mediterranean watching to see if anything boils over on that Israel-Hezbollah front. And Israel's prepared for a fight on multiple fronts now. Benny Gantz, you know, said he, he, didn't, he did not recommend to the Iran-backed terror group to begin a war with Israel. Yeah, well, they, they don't need to be encouraged because there's been rockets fired tar- targeting the, Gal- the Galilee since... This morning, with Hezbollah militants firing off an anti-tank missile towards a, an IDF outpost, and guess what? The Israelis are responding. They're attacking. Uh, they're attacking Hezbollah squads. <laughs> this is war. War is ugly. And the only way to end war is one side has to win. And I'm rooting for the Israelis. End of story. Hezbollah has already given us plenty of clues about their intentions. This guy, Nasrallah, he's already met several Hamas and uh, Palestinian leaders and officials, stressing the importance of unity among their ranks. There was a document released by Hezbollah. It says, this is part of our determination outside from Palestine to support Al-Aqsa. We've taken up arms. Victory is ours and a new morning beckons. People of Gaza, the killing of your children, wives and elderly is large, but your determination is larger. You've shown the world they're weaker than a spider web and liberation is nearly upon us. Do you think the Lebanese people want war? No, but Nasrallah does. The leadership does. I don't know what the Palestinian people want. They elected Hamas, or that's what I've been told. This is such serious time and so many people are so ignorant because you got played. So my job is to help you understand that you got played. You still got time to turn around. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, the overnight guys. And then tomorrow morning to finish out this week, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino. And then, of course, followed at 3 o'clock by me. So pretty much you can just keep your dial right where it is. I'm going to take a quick break and then come back and finish today's show. Stay where you are. I'll tell you, they just, they can't help themselves. 
the, the insane people that are serving in Congress right now. You know, they go after anybody for any reason. If they're a Republican, they're going after the new Speaker of the House because he's, he's religious? I, I mean, really? Does it, do they think that's going to earn points with the American people? I guess maybe it will with the far left loonies. Now they're asking, does he have a bank account? I would like to remind the Democrats, who are supposed to be the party of the people, that there's a whole lot of Americans who don't have checking accounts, especially now. It used to be some people couldn't get a bank account or couldn't get a checking account. And then it was, well, you don't really need one if you have a PayPal or a Venmo or some other, you know, uh, servant, cash app. I don't know. People pay with money orders still. So if they think that they're going to demean or damage him by saying, like, we don't think he has a checking account. Like, the American people don't care. They just want to know if he can get some things done. Like, can he actually fund an effort to help Israel? Because the longer it goes without that funding in place, the more nervous I'm getting. Because I think the squad and that ilk have way more power than we gave them credit for. Really do. And I'm just watching. I'm watching the whole world watching us. And they know that if we don't come to the aid of our strongest democratic ally in the Middle East, Israel, a Western-styled nation that has done nothing but improve life for everybody. It's like I said in my, you know, my piece yesterday. If, if people in, in the Arab world uh, want to die of syphilis and all the other diseases that vaccines were created by Jewish doctors, you know, boycott. Go ahead, boycott. Don't use your cell phone because that was created in Israel. You know, you, you will really limit your, your possibilities if you want to boycott anything that Jews have touched. Just saying. But, of course, that's not what they mean. They just mean we hate Jews and we want to kill them. So I can't wait to hear Nasrallah from uh, Lebanon's speech tomorrow. I'm sure it'll be a, a classic example of anti-Semitism in leaders. And we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to pretend that he's a person of some sort of importance and merit. And I suppose he is. And his fiery speech will resonate with many Arab nations, I'm quite sure, because they hate Jews. And the fact that we continue to say, well, no, it's not really that they hate Jews. It's that they don't like Israel. No, 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 no. Zionism is just a fancy way of saying anti-Semitism. And anybody who still deludes himself into thinking otherwise, including one of my own children, you're an idiot. It's, it's one and the same thing. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then as I always say, may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.
The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.